0: Uh, we're continuing our series through the the various statements of the Apostles' Creed um, and and while you're turning there, just sort of a, a a background, I guess a little bit of of where we are in John, these chapters fourteen to seventeen, um, they're the upper room discourse they, they sort of lead into the the high priestly prayer if your Bible's a red letter Bible, you notice there are a lot of red words in it. Jesus is talking a lot uh, through these chapters having this um this this upper room discourse this long um in time of instruction really with his disciples um and this morning we will look at uh this is our sixth sermon in, through the the phrases of the apostles creed we'll look this morning at i believe in the holy spirit uh, or holy ghost depending on um where you grew up and what's in the back of your brain um You should know that um, there are books written by smart people uh, on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do this in one sermon. Uh, What that means is we're not doing everything there is to do. It means we're not covering everything that we could possibly cover. Uh, I told you before, we're doing this the fast way, not the slow way through the Apostles' Creed. Um, So just recognize uh, that we will answer just a few questions Uh, with regard uh, to the work, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's our practice to stand when we read God's Word, so if you're able to do that, let me ask that you stand uh, as we read John 14, uh, verses 15 to 27. Uh, If you love Me, uh, you will keep My commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even... Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Thus far, God's holy word. Let's pray together. Uh, We pray, O Holy Spirit, as even as we're reading about your work in our lives, as Jesus is instructing his disciples, we are come uh, needing that work in our lives. Uh, Would you pierce darkness? Would you uh, open hearts and minds to hear and understand? Would you... Would You change us, conform us more and more into the image of Christ for it's in His name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I know that um, perhaps the three tenors aren't exactly the most famous people in North Alabama. They're probably not the most popular people in North Alabama. Um, but I always feel bad for the third guy uh, because, because you can do Pavarotti and Domingo and then, well, there's a third one too. Uh, the poor guy gets, is, is lost. Um, he, he's one of the three tenors and so therefore he probably has tons of money. He's probably world-renowned. And yet, I can name two of the three tenors. There's always this struggle to figure out what's that guy's name again? Who is he? What does he do? I don't. I... Sometimes I feel like that's what we do to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we kind of instinctively go, Father, I get that. Son, I get that. What do I do with the Holy Spirit? Like, What exactly is His job? What exactly is His role? What's He like? We have trouble with the word Spirit, and it doesn't get better if we try to use ghost, and then we're sort of lost with all sorts of things. So sometimes I feel like that the Holy Spirit is in many ways like Jose something, the the third tenor. I get the first two. I can do Pavarotti. I can do Domingo and the other guy. So the question is, what does this passage show us about the work, the person and work of the Holy Spirit? Well, first, we confess when we say I believe in the Holy Spirit. When we take that phrase from the Apostles' Creed, we're confessing, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, You remember... Star Wars. The the phrase used throughout Star Wars. It's like, use the Force. May the Force be with you. What exactly is the Force? i got no idea. It's some sort of thing out there feeling maybe, I don't even really know. But over and over again in Star Wars, you're told, use the force. Or may the force be with you. Um, it, it's some sort of impersonal, inanimate, not alive. It's some concept, maybe. Maybe that's the way to describe it as a, as a concept. Or some, some force in the universe that somehow... Connect- you see the struggle. But the point is that as we read through John fourteen through seventeen, the Holy Spirit isn't an it. Lose lose it when talking about the Holy Spirit. It's a he. It's a person. Um, now I know that word even um, causes trouble for us because for us um, the word person usually means a body. And then we look at the Holy Spirit and go, but there's no body. Because, I mean, we use the word ghost and spirit. Or, for that matter, the the children's catechism. Um, God is a spirit, and He doesn't have a body like men. So for you and me, the word person usually means an embodied person, but that's not really the case. In fact, the reason... The reason ghost was originally used was when uh, the word, when the creed was translated into English in uh, the, the 16th century, the word ghost actually meant our word person. It was that which animates you, that which gives you life, that which is inside of you that sort of gives you personality and, and life and vivaciousness, whatever, um, however, way you need to understand that. The Holy Spirit is a person. Did you notice verse look at verse 26 of chapter 14 uh, the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, what does Jesus say there? He will teach you, not it will teach you. Or look at verse uh, 26 of chapter 15, and we get the same thing: When the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. In other words, Jesus talks about the Spirit not as an it. Not as an impersonal, inanimate force. But as a person. As someone who's living and active and is at work in and around us. For that matter, we could look at Acts 5. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, um, essentially, well, they lie to the Holy Spirit. They come and they make an offering and they say, yeah, this is everything we earn from the sale of our land. Um, You can't lie to an it. You can't lie to an impersonal, inanimate idea. You can only lie to a person. So we have uh, the overwhelming picture in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit is actually a a person. That He's actually at work uh, living and active and not just an it, not some inanimate concept or idea that threads itself through the universe tying the good guys together and not the bad guys. For that matter, you realize in the 16th century when when they translated the creed into English and were using ghosts, you do realize that Casper and Scooby-Doo hadn't been invented yet. So they didn't have the concept of a white sheet floating around in the air like you and I have. So if you go to a church that uses ghosts, don't freak out. It's not doesn't mean anything different. But notice that we confess the Holy Spirit is a person. Second, we also confess that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Look at verse 16 of of John 14. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. The the Helper, this Helper that that is going to come after... when when the Father and the Son send Him later. He's coming from the Father and from the Son and He's going to guide them into all truth, we're told. In fact, in verse 26, you see it again. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. In other words, you realize that it, when the Spirit's at work and He's at work in our minds and our hearts bringing to memory the things that we've read in Scripture, that bringing to memory in the, the hearts and minds of the apostles the things that Jesus said, that says something. He has to know what Jesus said. Which means He had to have been there. He's the eternal third person of the Godhead. He is the third person of the Trinity and must be in order to be sent from the Father and from the Son and to guide them into all truth because all truth is God's truth. We see it again in chapter 16. Look at chapter 16 in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Notice the Spirit is bringing God's Word to bear. Guide them in the truth. God's Word is truth. He's Whatever He says, He says under authority from the Father and the Son, and He's speaking God's Word to His people, to God's people. He knows the truth because He's written the truth. He's inspired, in this case, John to write what he's writing. He knows the truth because He's actually written the truth. Is the Gospel of John written by John? Yes, absolutely it is. Is the Gospel of John written by God, the Holy Spirit? Yes, absolutely it is. And then if you back up a little bit in chapter 16, verses 8-11, through when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Helper can convict of sin and righteousness and judgment Because these are all the work of God. That's what God does. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Again, we could go back to Acts chapter 5, where Ananias and Sapphira lie to the Holy Spirit. And in in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, uh, where Peter tells Ananias, You've lied to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. And therefore, you must die. Well, guess what? Lying to a fake inanimate object is not tantamount to cosmic treason. Why does Ananias get the death penalty? Because lying to the Spirit is lying to God Himself. Because it's cosmic treason. When you tell God... Whichever person of the Godhead, when you say to the Holy Spirit, this is all we've gotten from, this is all we've received from the sale of this property, and therefore you must be put to death. Well, that's because they've sinned against God Himself. They've broken the law of God. So Scripture shows us that the Holy Spirit is the distinct third person of the Trinity in fact, notice back in verse twenty-six of chapter fourteen. Pay attention to what Jesus says here. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. In one verse, all three members of the Trinity, the Son and is talking to his disciples about what the Father is going to do with the Holy Spirit who's coming in the name of Christ to guide them into all truth. In other words, what we see is that the Holy Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead. Incidentally, this has implication for our understanding of the Bible that you hold in your hand. You don't decide what is Bible and what isn't. We don't make that call. We're not the ones that determine is this Bible or is it not. The Spirit does, God does. Just because I can't understand it doesn't mean it can't be from God. doesn't mean it can't be God's truth or that it isn't true. We have this this picture of the Son speaking to the Father, sending the Spirit in the name of the Son. which gives implication for God's sovereignty and our responsibility. It's our job, it's our function to submit to God's rule in our lives by His Word through the work of the Holy Spirit. We can look back at verse 26 of chapter 15 again. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. Now wait a minute, did you notice that? that time, Jesus says, I'm sending Him. In 1426, the Father sending the Spirit. In 1526, Jesus is sending the Spirit. You get the picture. The the claim of Scripture is that Father, Son, Holy Spirit are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Three persons, but one God. We confess that that the Holy Spirit is a person. We confess that the Holy Spirit is uh, the third person of the Godhead. We also confess that we need the Holy Spirit. You know, there are obviously debates around the globe about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer um, there's, there's always the uh, joke about it, being a Presbyterian church. You know The motion sensor lights go off uh, in the middle of a worship service in a Presbyterian church because we're so still and we don't do anything and we don't move, which of course isn't true. But that's the standard running joke. Uh, there are those who think that of the Spirit as really nothing more than the force, and yet... Um, We also have some sense that um, maybe we shouldn't be up and running around and jumping over pews and, and running all over the place in the middle of a worship service. But between not doing anything and running crazy, there's quite a large gap between those two views. Those two, what is the role of the Spirit in our lives? Well, notice what Jesus calls him in this passage. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, We've in verse uh, 16 of chapter 14. Jesus calls him the Helper, Um, and or some versions will say Counselor. Some will say Comforter, and those words come up throughout these chapters in John. When you think of the word Comforter, you're thinking of someone you need when you're sad. Like we have this notion that when, when I'm sad, when I'm depressed, when I'm lonely, when I'm struggling, when I'm crying, when the world seems against me and I, and I need a a comforter, that's the role of someone is to come and, and just share that sorrow with you. That's our notion of the idea of a comforter. There's a uh, a tapestry in in bio Normandy in France uh, that depicts the scene of the Norman conquest of England in the eleventh century uh, William Conqueror, Battle of Hastings, all that sort of stuff well there's there's a scene in this tapestry um, that shows uh, Bishop odo and he's walking behind uh, this group of of Norman troops who are on horseback and Odo is carrying a a long stick and he's poking the men and the horses. And underneath it says, Bishop Odo comforts the soldiers. Now, I don't know about you, but a long stick in my back is not the way I view comfort. I picture maybe something soft not something pokey and hard and prodding me in the back. You get this this image of the bishop walking behind the troops and he's poking them and, and, and poking them along, encouraging them along. A tattle prod in the middle of my back is not the way I envision comfort. It's the word used here, helper, helper or comforter, is a, a combination of two Greek words that mean basically to call alongside. Someone has been called, the Spirit, is the one who's called alongside of us to encourage us and to give us strength. His job is to be with us as comforter or helper or counselor, one who will come along us alongside us to encourage us and to equip us. But how does he do that? What's his primary responsibility within the Trinity? When I was in high school, I had a friend, uh, David Turner. He and I had um, an unwritten rule. It 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 was unwritten, but it was a given. I mean, it was a rule. Whenever we were out doing stuff, messing around town, and you see spotlights, you have to go find out what's going on. So we we would you know just be out you know, go going, going to putt putt whatever we're doing as as teenagers and then when you catch the sight of spotlights it's, it's kind of a quick glance and go let's go and you just have to go find out what the spotlight is there for have you ever thought about what a spotlight does the spotlight is not there for the attention do you realize that. Like when you go and there's spotlights going and they're doing their thing, shining up. It's always better when it's just a little overcast, just a little cloudy. And you can see the the spotlight swirling on the clouds. You can sort of figure out, pinpoint, where's the base? Where's that coming from? You don't go and then see the spotlight and the spotlight be comfortable with that. That's not the spotlight's job. The spotlight doesn't want the attention. The role of the Holy Spirit is to be a spotlight in our lives. He's shining on Christ. The Holy Spirit is sort of the humble person of the Trinity. He doesn't want the attention. It's not His job to seek the honor and the glory. It's His job in our lives to shine the spotlight on Christ. The spotlight's job is to call attention, to get you here, because there's something worth seeing, and it isn't the spotlight. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Quick, come look. Let me see. Let me let me make sure you see and you understand, and you're you're gaining knowledge and you're understanding truth because I'm shining on Christ. He wants you and me to know and to see Christ. Look at verse 26 of chapter 15. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16, verses 13 through. Do you see the Holy Spirit's job? It's His function to shine the spotlight on Christ. We see that clearly here in John. In the the upper room discourse, we see it in other places as well. That's why, by the way, we place greater emphasis on Christ than on the Spirit those ministries, those works that, that overemphasize the Spirit, the Spirit Himself would say, no, 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 you're getting it wrong. That's not my job. It's, it's my job to shine the spotlight on Christ, to exalt Christ. That's why, by the way, you'll notice um, every Sunday when we read Scripture right before the sermon, we pray particularly to the Holy Spirit because it's His job To illumine God's Word and to shine the spotlight on Christ that we might know and understand and see Christ more clearly. The work of the Spirit is to make Christ and His Word known to us, which means you and I have great need of the Holy Spirit. We need His work in us and to us and for us and quite honestly, through us. That even as we bear witness, He would be at work through us and even before us so that as we bear witness to Christ, He will go ahead and till the soil of those hearts to hear and understand and embrace the Gospel. We need the personal, distinct, third person of the Trinity to apply God's Word and the Gospel of salvation to us. You ever have those moments where you feel prompted almost almost out of nowhere to pray for somebody? Do it. That's the work of the Spirit. You ever have those moments where you get this sense, this sort of feeling almost that that there's a sin you should repent of? Like it comes almost out of nowhere. Like not, you're not in the middle of sin. You weren't caught in it. But you have this deep sort of seated conviction that I should repent of that. That's the work of the Spirit. Do it and do it quickly. If you feel sorry for sin, if you... Regret offending God and others—that's the work of the Spirit in our lives. If you're reading God's Word and you gain greater clarity and understanding of Scripture, that's the work of the Spirit in your heart and in in your mind. If you've received the seed of the Holy Spirit, I mean, of the Word of God, and and that Word grew and bore fruit and you came to saving faith in Christ, the Spirit was there first tilling the soil so that the seed could grow so that you might embrace the Gospel. The Spirit shines the light on Christ. Which means, quite honestly, His desire, His work, His function, even through His Word read and proclaimed is to see people come to saving faith in Jesus. You notice nobody ever says come to saving faith in the Spirit. He wants you to know Christ. Do you know Christ? Have you trusted in Him alone for your salvation, then praise the Spirit for that work in your heart that you would submit to Christ. And let me encourage you to pray. Pray for the help. Pray for the comfort. Pray for the the prodding of the Comforter, the Helper, the Holy Spirit daily in your lives. Let's pray together. Our great God and our King, You have revealed this to us. You've seen fit through the inspirational work of the Spirit in John and in so many other writers to write and record Your words to us, for us. For that matter, it's been the work of the Spirit to preserve that Word two, 3000 years. And so, Father, we pray that You would send the Spirit to us. That we might hear and understand. That You might, uh, O Holy Spirit, soften our hearts towards our own sin, towards Christ. uh, That we might repent and repent quickly and frequently and run to Christ and there find forgiveness. Would You be at work Comfort us, help us, equip us, and encourage us as we walk with Christ. For it's in Christ's name and for His sake that we pray. Amen.